Hello everybody, welcome to the NC Podcast. My name is Natasha Collins and I'm the host and founder of NC Real Estate, which includes its members club for landlords and property investors to come and build profitable property portfolios that completely align with their goals. If you haven't seen it yet, you need to go and get my property investment in COVID-19 in the UK PDF. I am updating it regularly with all of the updates for how you as a property investor can put together a strategy to survive the next couple of months. Head on over to ncrealestatemembersclub.com forward slash COVID-19. I'm going to put the link for that in the show notes. It is completely free. I'm updating it on a regular basis. So if you want access to that PDF, head on over to that link. So today, I'm very excited. I have got someone you all may already know, but I'm very excited to have back. I've got Joshua Tharby of JSM Partners. Hi, Josh. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm marvellous. <laughs> so if you didn't know, Josh is an accountant and he specialises in property. Property tax, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, property tax specialist, whatever you want to call it. Um, we deal with property businesses just like yours, um, day in, day out. Yes, and you've been excellent. If you've not been following Josh on social media over the last couple of weeks, I don't know why not, but you need to, um, because he's been putting out all of the updates about um, what's been going on with the government support during COVID-19, which we're going to talk a bit, bit about in a second. And you generally put out the most amazing property tax advice. So guys, if you're not following Josh already, I am going to put all of the links to every single thing he does in the bio below. And after this, I need you to click on those links and go and follow him so that you know that because I always say to you, I'm a surveyor, not an accountant. So all of the tax stuff to do with property goes to Josh. You just listen to this guy because he knows what he's talking about. So yeah, absolutely. Should we start with the, it's not even an elephant in the room, it's like just sat over us with every conversation we have. How are you dealing with COVID-19? <laughs> um, so how we deal, yeah, so at the moment, working from home. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the biggest one really. Um, in terms of work, relatively uninterrupted, um, you know, clients are still out there, business is still happening. Um, it's, it's impacted a lot of our clients in the service creation sector. But they're overcoming the hurdles. So previously, when it was a boutique city centre apartment, now it's housing key workers, and it's just about making that shift to the to the kind of where we find ourselves at the moment. But business is still happening, um, and people are still staying there. So it's just kind of business is still ticking over. Tax returns are still due. Um, so we're working on that. Mm-hmm. So there's been a lot of um, change over the last couple of like. Oh, it feels like months, it's been a week since the government yeah. <laughs> start announced, started announcing all of the changes. And for those of you listening, we're recording this on March 27th so that you can have a picture of where we are in the world at the time of recording. Um, what's happened? What's the benefits for landlords and property investors? What should what ex- support should we be expecting from the government right now? Okay, yeah. So for property investors and landlords, um, in terms of what's happened, there's not much that is available to landlords directly. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, what the government have aimed to do is to ensure that um, all of the employees don't get made redundant and they are still able to pay your rent. So the biggest one that's come in is the job retention scheme, 
where all of these businesses that have been forced to close down, Cafe Nero, McDonald's, all of these guys that would otherwise have to make these staff redundant, they've agreed to pay 80% of their salary up to £2,500 each month for the next three months. Um, so what this means is that these employees are still getting paid, and in turn, they're still going to be paying their rent each and every month. Mm-hmm. Um, so whilst they've not done anything directly available to the majority of landlords, there's a few small, um, service accommodation operators that where they've been paying business rates and claiming small business rates relief, they're eligible for the £10,000 grant. Um, so there's a handful that are going to benefit from that. But the vast majority of landlords are just going to keep getting their rent each month. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's not particularly as scary as it first seemed, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think now everything's out there. It's just a case of just staying indoors and waiting until this all blows over. Mm-hmm. That's, that's exactly what I'm finding as well. But the biggest thing is to encourage your tenants to find out what they are what they can get, right? Because they're more likely to get yeah. help than we are as landlords. Yeah, absolutely. So as soon as um, a tenant comes to you and they say they can't pay their rent, you know, have a conversation with them and understand why. Because for nine out of ten cases there's going to be some kind of help available to them uh whether it's even things as a universal credit or it, eligible for help under the job retention scheme there's going to be some form of help for the vast majority of your tenants mm-hmm. so it's just a case about prompting them to go and find that so that you in turn get paid the rent yeah yeah i think that's one of the most sensible things because they have to pay the rent at the end of the three months anyway so if you can keep yeah. them paying yeah absolutely that's got to be the most important thing so that being said that moves us on to something which is coming up what is it what's it what's the tax day april 5th april 4th uh april 5th april yeah. 5th right first time <laughs> um <laughs> i doubt myself with these things okay so we need to be preparing for that can you give us some guidance yeah yeah absolutely so then the tax year ends on the 5th of april so with this, uh, there's a, quite a few tax reliefs and opportunities that you need to get in place and affected before the end of the tax year. So the biggest one of these is going to be pension contributions. Um, so if you're planning to put any money into your pension, make sure you do it before the end of the tax year so that you get tax relief this year. Um, and also for a lot of landlords, it's a case of making sure that depending on what basis, whether you the accruals or cash basis, you take a look at some of your expenditure. So if you're looking at getting some repairs done and you're, it's a good year for you, you've earned a bit more, see if we can accelerate some of those into this year so that you get tax relief for them now rather than next year when you actually pay the invoice. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you get some repairs done, £5,000 for a new kitchen, if you get that invoice issued now um, but pay it next year, you'll get tax relief this year rather than later on. Mm-hmm. That's a really good um, so that's that's a great one to do. Um, what else might there be? Uh, so make sure you maximise your ISA allowance. That's another good one for the end of the tax year. So you've got £20,000 ISA allowance. Uh, make sure you use that because if not, it's lost. Uh, your capital gains and your allowance as well. So if you're looking to sell any of your properties, um, it's a great time now to either transfer some of the property over to your wife or partner so you both utilize your capital gains and your exempt amounts mm-hmm. before making the disposal um that's a great way to save some tax and ensure you use that allowance because if not it's lost mm-hmm. uh, equally if you've got a limited company so as more and more property investors move into a limited company structure they often forget to pay themselves they might have a director's loan account that they can draw down 
Whereas for, to get um, to use your personal allowance in that year, you have to run the payroll in that tax year. So you've only got until the 5th of April to run a pay as you earn a payroll scheme to pay yourself through your payroll. So you've, you've effectively got a couple of days to do that. And that's definitely one thing that a lot of people are missing out at the moment, I think, is they've just started their business or they think they need to pay themselves a salary. But if you have earned no other income that year, it's all in the company, you've got £12,500 sitting there that you can take out tax-free. You don't actually have to take the cash out. You can just declare a payroll for that, put that back into your direct loan account. And then when your company is in a position to pay you that cash, you've got a greater amount to take out tax-free. Mm-hmm. really good really good tip of advice so do people have to do that before the 5th of april yeah so we need to get that um final uh, paye return in before the 5th of april to qualify for that mm-hmm. okay um and so if what happens if they miss this and it goes into next year uh then unfortunately they wouldn't they'd lose their personal allowance for this year okay so that could potentially be that twelve and a half thousand pounds worth of tax-free income is gone mm-hmm. um and it'd just be a case of making sure you don't forget next year okay Brilliant. So what tax changes do we need to be aware of this year as property investors? Yeah, so the biggest one really comes um, around the disposal of residential property and the capital gains Mm -hmm. tax on that. So previously, you'd have up to 21 months to actually pay the capital gains tax that's due on the disposal of a residential property, whereas for disposals that take place after the 6th of April, so starting from next tax year, you actually only have 30 days to pay a estimated amount of tax due on the residential property disposal. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of changes, that's probably the biggest one that's really going to hit a lot of investors hard when they don't know about this, they forget, and then they risk getting a penalty plus some interest on there but not paying it on time and getting the return in. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and how about we're at 100% that we can't deduct from mortgage interest, aren't we, this year? Yeah, yeah, that's of course if people still got properties in their own name. Um, so when this was first introduced three or four years ago, um, they did kind of give people a lot of heads up. But there are still some people that have got them in their own name still because that's the best way to do it, or they've just not heard that these changes have taken impact yet. So from from this year is it's fully non-deductible essentially. You just get your basic rate tax credit on your calculation there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, that's going to so hit of, some investors yeah, a hard. Lot of, a lot of people are going to be, oh, why is my taxable suddenly getting higher, but I'm not getting any more money? Mm-hmm. That's that's a question we might be getting a lot this year. Not for our clients, but for <laughs> new people moving to us, I'd suspect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so what are the biggest myths around property investment tax that you're hearing at the moment? Yeah, so I'd say this kind of feeds into the whole limited company own name thing. Mm-hmm. Um most people seem to think that if you are starting a property now, you need a limited company. That's de facto the best way. Whereas I suppose there is a bit of a myth in that it all depends on your circumstances. If you if you kind of you've got a self uh, you're an employee, you earn thirty thousand pounds a year. You're looking to go part time and build up your property portfolio, but you've only got a goal of say having five properties with fifty thousand pounds of rental income. Then you're going to be better off having that in your own name because when you leave your job that would still be under the limit. So you're still going to get your full tax relief um, effective on your mortgage interest because it wouldn't push you into the higher rate band rather than paying the double taxation on the profits in the limited company and then withdrawing it back out again. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the biggest one. Is just don't assume that a limited company is the best way for you. If you've got relatively modest goals, 
in your property journey, then the chances are you might be better having it in your own name. Yeah. And especially because interest yeah. rates are so low right now, right? So you can get yeah, these super cheap, super <laughs> cheap even, mortgages. Even, even now, there's still on quite a few products, the best part of a 1% difference between own name, limited company. I think it is, it's getting narrower, but it's, it still exists, I've found. Mm-hmm. It's true. I've seen some products just before we went into the COVID-19 thing that they were offering at 1.95% interest well. <laughs> on owning yeah <laughs> and yeah, then that's below inflation yeah so <laughs> at that point you're thinking okay well i'm gonna fix in on my own name for the next five yeah. years if you can get a product like that for 10 years there isn't any you'd have to get the higher interest but if you can fix in on that low at least you now know what your forecast for the next however many years that you're fixed in for right yeah so Next question is, what expenses can we deduct from our rental income? And I had a question from my Facebook group, which said, which yep. was, what happens if I haven't got any maintenance deductions this year? Which, my gosh, if you've got no maintenance deductions, <laughs> like, I'd love that every year. Um, yeah. <laughs> is there an allowance? But uh, Yeah, so we'll, we'll knock that one out of the park in that there's no allowance. You used to think about to get the wear and tear allowance when you had a furnished property. Mm-hmm. That was 10%. But that that, that was um, abolished in I think 2015. I think that was. So there's no flat rate deductions available at the moment. Unfortunately, if you didn't have any expenses to pay out this year on maintenance, don't look at it as a bad thing. As long as your property looks nice, um, you, you've saved some money at the end of the day. And unfortunately, with that, you're going to pay a little bit more tax mm-hmm. um, as it's just based on your rental income less rubber expenses. Um, so which expenses can we deduct? Unfortunately, not mortgage interest, as you mentioned <laughs> earlier. Um, but aside from that, it's pretty much everything else. So if you're viewing your properties, management fees, maintenance fees, anything where you can put a genuine business reason towards it, that's a fully allowable expense. Mm-hmm. There's very few few things that aren't allowable. Um, one of those would be, say, if you've got a new property and you furnish it, so carpets, you put furniture in there, that initial furniture, or the initial furnishing isn't an allowable expense, but it's only the subsequent replacement of those items that becomes an allowable expense through the replacement of domestic um, items relief. Um, but yeah, bearing that in mind, the vast majority of things are an allowable expense as long as you can justify it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And keep your receipts, right? Yeah, absolutely. Keep your receipts. If you make sure you're using Receipt Bank, make sure you're using Zero. They're going to save you so much time and ensure that everything's safe and backed up. Mm-hmm. So can we talk a little bit about the difference between uh, service accommodation and just regular buy-to-lets and how they are taxed differently and what that looks like? Yeah, absolutely. So normal buy-to-lets, they're taxed very heavily. The government don't seem to like people investing in property. So by way of relief that are available, there really aren't many at all you'll pay income tax on the rental income. Whereas if you sell the property, you don't get any reliefs essentially for capital gains tax, you'll pay tax at 18, 28%. Whereas if you've got a furnished holiday let um, or service accommodation, there are a whole host of reliefs available. So for instance, what we do is we do a bit of a comparison. So if you've got a property that your parents have and they want to give to you, if it's a investment property um, and they give that to you, there's tax to pay on the market value of the disposal. Whereas if it's a service accommodation unit, they can claim gift relief and basically give you that tax free. 
Mm-hmm. Um, if you sell a investment property um, and you reinvest the proceeds in another property, that's fine. You still pay tax on the first one. There's no relief available. Whereas with a service accommodation unit, if you sell that but buy another service accommodation unit, that's at least the same amount, you can roll that gain over into the next one, which means you'll just pay tax when you sell the subsequent service accommodation unit. Mm-hmm. Um, what else is there? So go back to the capital um, furnish, sort of furnishings, furnishing your property for an investment property, no relief initially, service accommodation, full relief, usually by the AIA, which means you get 100% of the costs as a deduction in the year that you furnish the property. Wow. And um, well, mortgage interest, mm-hmm. that's, that's still deductible for furnished either lets, service relations, the terms used interchangeably. Mm-hmm. What about in, in entrepreneur's relief? Yeah, entrepreneur's relief. So if you sell a investment property, you don't get service, um, you don't get entrepreneur's relief. But if you sell a furnished holiday let, you get entrepreneur's relief and ultimately pay just 10% on the disposal. Oh, okay. So <laughs> in some respects, whilst we're having service accommodation providers, I feel for you because now is not a great time. But yeah. long term, if you chucked one of those in your portfolio, I'm not suggesting that it unless you love doing that, that it's everything that you do but that could be quite beneficial yeah absolutely in terms of property strategies and tax benefits i can't really think of any other property strategy that has more tax benefits available to it than service accommodation the big downside is vat in that you must consider vat when it comes to service accommodation because if you go over eighty five thousand pounds in service accommodation income then you must register for VAT whereas property residential property income is exempt oh so with I actually hadn't considered that so with service accommodation um if you have multiple service accommodation units in your own name and they all come over 80,000 must you then register for that then yeah 85,000 pounds yeah so okay in your own name so at that point you'd have to think about registering for VAT there are a number of schemes available such as um, flat rate scheme tour operators margin scheme but yeah we could spend hours talking (laughs) about the finer details of those (laughs) okay um so is there then any pros or cons of holding a service accommodation in a limited company versus your own name what would you look at what would be the preference um, so in terms of that, there wouldn't really be one. It depends really on what you want to achieve okay. from owning that. So if you've just got kind of one or two and that's the way you want to structure it, keep your costs low and that's your that's the end you're looking for is to have £25,000 a year rental income from having two or three service accommodation units, then your own name might be fine. But if you are looking to grow, scale and build a bigger business, then a limited company might be more advantageous. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to that, you've also got you kind know, of isolating your risks. So if you were to have it in your own name, anything bad happens, yeah, you, you have insurance in place, but you would personally be liable for if someone falls down the stairs in your service accommodation unit, um, they might look to sue you. Whereas if you've got a limited company there, it adds that extra layer of protection and shields all your other assets. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so it really depends upon your situation then. Yeah, absolutely. There's no right or wrong answer. Okay. Um, for, should we talk a bit about commercial as well? Because we talk about single 
uh, to, so residential buy to lets, we talk about yep. service accommodation, but what about commercial um, and clients investing on mixed use and commercial property investments? What do you need to be aware of for this property type? Um, I suppose it's, it's different to all the others. So I know you mentioned interest with commercial properties, that's still allowable. Mm-hmm. It's very much kind of neglected, almost commercial property in that it, I think it, people say you go to commercial property after you've got a bit of experience in residential, which might be why a lot of people seem to forget about it. But it, it's still attractive. You can mm-hmm. get capital allowances on commercial property. Um, you, you do need to consider VAT when it comes to commercial property, but that depends on whether there's an option to tax and you have to charge VAT if it's a new uh, new property or not. Um, but in terms of what to consider, it's, it is an attractive investment. You get lower rates of stamp duty, you get capital allowances. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also worth mentioning for service accommodation units, you get capital allowances as well. Um, whereas residential property, not so much. Okay. So, Again, then commercial property, should we be holding that in limited company or your own name? Or again, is it a bit of... Yeah, it, it really depends with, with what end you're looking to achieve. Um, if you do just want a couple of properties in your own name, commercial a commercial property is fine to have in your own name. There's no risk to it, essentially. There's no um, downsides, mm-hmm. but it's just making sure that you're protected. And if you did want to reinvest the proceeds, paying a lower tax rate, that's where the whole limited company I name really comes into play. Mm-hmm. So if you are earning over £50,000 a year currently in the UK, you'll start paying tax at 40%. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you had these properties in a limited company, you'd be paying just 19%, which allows you to reinvest the proceeds, snowball it, so you've got more money for your next deposit to buy your next property. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really the biggest driving factor that we look at when deciding whether it's own name or limited company, just your marginal tax rate, what you're looking to achieve, all of the other kind of benefits, they they come second to that main factor. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. So I have a question about this year. You know, we've just had our tax, we don't have to now pay our self-assessment tax from the 31st of July until the 31st of January. Yeah, because it all changed, didn't it, over the last twelve months? That this year we're paying last year's plus this year's. Is that right? Yeah. So yeah, essentially, when you've got payments on account to make, um, so the first year you're in a payments and account system, you have to pay your current tax bill plus fifty percent of your expected next year's tax bill. Yeah. Um, so then you pay a, another fifty percent throughout the year, so the thirty first of July, and then when it comes to the thirty first of January, if your tax, if your income is exactly the same as it was last year. You shouldn't have any more tax to pay, but usually there's a balance in payment, which basically is the difference between what your income was last year and this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so now they've announced that everyone gets a deferral. So rather than having to pay any tax the 31st of July, you pay any amounts left outstanding the 31st of January next year, and they're not charging any interest on this either. So it's quite a generous, um, bit, it's a generous bit of help, really. So what, does that mean then that? it will now be depending on what we declare in our 2019 2020 accounts they're going to alter the payment to actually what it should have been based upon this year or would we still have the amount outstanding that was due anyway uh so yeah with that essentially it depends on what you earn this year okay. so you already paid on the 31st of january you would have paid a 50 percent payment on account to what you expected um income tax bill was going to be based on last year's 
Um, whereas when it gets to the 31st of January, uh, January 2021, it's just going to be a case of, yep, uh, a tax bill is £10,000. I paid £5,000 of this 31st of January 2020. And then there's £5,000 left to pay. Um, so it'd just be essentially, it's an easy way of tax, really. There's no kind of guesswork. It's just a case of, yeah, this is what my tax bill says it is. This is what I've got to pay. Okay. Good news. And then do you have any tips of advice for what we should do with that money that we had saved, ready to go? <laughs> just keep saving it. Keep saving it. <laughs> Don't spend it. Yeah. <laughs> That's... <It's... laughs> That's literally the best thing to do at the moment is just save all your money because off the back of this, there's a lot of uncertainty. You know, worst case, people do stop paying your rent. You need to be in a position to cover that. Great, mm-hmm. you get a mortgage holiday, but that still costs you money. So you should look to avoid that where possible. If you've got a high interest rate product that's charging 4 or 5% and you can borrow money or if you've got cash, why would you take a payment holiday um, and, and accrue that interest? I think, <laughs> I think it's just in delaying the inevitable that you're going to have to pay it and I wonder I don't know about you what do you reckon is going to happen three months time when people have to start paying their mortgages again yeah it's people just they'll get comfortable with all this help that's coming out there at the moment because the government are being quite generous um they've strong armed all of the banks into being supposed to generous used loosely there um but people just should remember that bills need paying and it's not on the government really to kind of bail you out at the moment so it's a case of don't get used to kind of the weird period we find ourselves in now when we don't really know what day it is um it's all just a case of being locked at home whereas things will go back to normal and it's just a case of being prepared for that Mm -hmm. i agree i completely agree with you final question how would you see the industry changing going forward over the next couple of years yeah well i'd say the crisis we find ourselves in now is really going to accelerate things a lot. We've been during a recession for a while, and this is just, you know, without looking into the statistics and the technical mm. terms for recession, this is just basically ground the economy to a halt pretty much, um, which is likely going to trigger a recession off the back of it, depending on how long it lasts. So this has brought forward the inevitable where a lot of the people that don't run their property businesses like a real business have come stuck. So those that haven't considered the fact they need six months worth of cash in the bank to go through these times when life isn't quite so good property markets aren't always buoyant rents aren't always being paid so it's going to case of seeing a lot of the smaller players fall out of the industry and the people that do run it like a business do have finance directors and run they've got the management accounts and they know what cash they've got those guys are really about to take over and there's gonna be a lot more companies and seriously established businesses that are becoming more kind of bigger landlords Mm -hmm. and a lot of the smaller part-time ones will fall out yeah yeah it's going to be challenging times if you don't have any cash reserves yeah yeah definitely Mm -hmm. well that wasn't a particularly positive note to end on actually (laughs) let's let's do one more optimistic (laughs) what good things are going to come out of this (laughs) that was all doom and gloom yeah just (laughs) any positives you can see coming Okay, positives. Um, yeah, so on the basis of this, house prices might fall a bit. Yeah. So there's going to be plenty of opportunity available after this crisis is over. So really start looking at properties in your areas, start eyeing properties up that are for sale currently, because what we're going to see are a ton of motivated vendors 
So get your deposits in check, get all of the information you need ready now. So as soon as the world starts operating again, you can go to your broker, you can start making offers and you can start accelerating the growth of your portfolio. Mm -hmm. I think that is very true. Josh, thank you as always for coming and giving us some great advice. Um, everybody, start preparing your end of year tax returns. Go and yep. go through your Get bank account. Out. Yes, go through your bank <laughs> account. Well, if anybody wants to find out more about Josh, I'm going to put the um, links to how you can get in contact with him below in the show notes. So use that again. Go follow him on social media, Instagram, his Facebook group, which is uh, Property Tax Secrets, isn't it? Um, yeah. And make sure that you're getting your end of year accounts up to date and ready to go. We're at home. What else are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for listening to us this week. It would really help me out if you could rate this podcast, pop in a review and make sure you subscribe because the more you do that, the more people that can find this podcast, the more people that listen to the goodness. So please make sure you're doing that. Thank you for listening this week. I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon.